You're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Almer, and on today's episode, Emma and I talk with Jordan Wilson. Jordan is the associate pastor at Stillwater Church here in Dayton, Ohio, and in this conversation, we talk with Jordan about the work she's done to help develop a culture of equipping and empowerment at Stillwater. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer, and I'm sitting here with a friend, well, two friends, but a regular and a guest today. And so we're going to have some introductions. Emma Winchester. And Jordan Wilson. Jordan. Thanks for being on the podcast with us today. I'm excited to be here. It's my first time on the Spirit and Truth podcast. Yes, it is. Now, Jordan, for our listeners who don't know or aren't familiar with you, um, which I can't imagine because you were a speaker at the Spirit and Truth Conference and you gave an awesome talk that was not last year, but the year before last. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, anyway, for those of our listeners who don't know you, tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I have been living here in Dayton for about eight years. Um, I came originally, moved here from Florida, um, up here to attend seminary. So I graduated from United in 2019 with an MDiv and then discerning a call to ministry. And so now I am a full-time pastor and elder in the Global Methodist Church at Stillwater Church, the church that this Spirit and Truth podcast talks about all the time. So um, yeah, I am associate pastor there and been there for four and a half years and really uh, enjoy what God is doing. And um I don't know what else. Uh, fun fact about me: um, I love. I have a, a one and a half year old, no, two year old dog. Two, he's two. Two and a half, yeah. His name is Goose. He's my one of my favorite joys in life, and um, I play a bunch of musical instruments. Uh, piano has been my just devotional instrument lately, and just God has been resurrecting new life in that, and. Uh, you know, I sing every now and then. And so, yeah, what? yeah every now and then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, in the privacy of my own devotion and uh, home. Also. False. <laughs> I, I just, Emma and I are sitting here and I think we're laughing a little bit because oh, these things are factually true, but this is sometimes why you need people to, who know you to introduce you. Um, Jordan is a Holy Spirit powerhouse. She is an anointed um, leader of worship. Um, she has a lovely, gorgeous singing voice that just, you know, brings the presence of God into the room. Great musician, excellent preacher. I mean, you are truly a very gifted woman in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Maggie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Now that I made you ridiculously uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> but we brought you here today because... Um, We want to talk about something that happens at Stillwater Mm -hmm. that I will just say that having been in a few different churches, I know is a really challenging thing to do. And that is to implement a culture of equipping. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's, that's a word for you, equipping. Oh, yeah. So could you talk a little bit about your heart for equipping the saints for the work of God? Yeah, equipping the body of Christ is a huge passion of mine. I mean, some use the term church renewal um, and just seeing the church 
become fully alive. I mean, that's what Spirit and Truth is all about, and God's given that, that mission here of equipping the body of Christ. And for me, that's my heartbeat as well. And just discerning where the Holy Spirit is at work and wants to breathe new life into not only individuals, but the organization of the body of Christ. And so um, one of the verses I was just thinking about this morning is where all drives from and just understanding the heart of God um, and our identity as the church comes from Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So my heart is to see the body of Christ mature into the fullness, to grow from kind of infancy or the milk to, hey, there's more. Like there is, there is meat, Lord, at the table that um, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can walk in maturity in the fruit of the Spirit and also the gifts of the Spirit and um, live into our identity. Um, I love that image of what it means to be the body. Um, and when it comes to uh, church renewal, I think one of the biggest things that I found as I first started at Stillwater, I think many pastors could probably relate to this, is where do you start? You know, um, it's overwhelming when you, you think about a body in general, like some, we have some ailments over here or this part of it is weak or some of it is, is strong. And so, man, Lord, where, where do you start um, in, in equipping or bringing your church into maturity? Um, and so it all starts with prayer. I mean, when I think about the body, right, even in this scripture, you go down a little bit more. Um, it talks about Christ being the head, the head of the whole body, and we're held together. And so first and foremost, we need to recognize who is the head of the church. And then I think about how is life being flowed through the body, and I think about the heart. And I believe the heart and the beginning and place of maturity begins with examining where our heart is, and that's in our prayer life. Um, how is life being pumped through the body? And so that's how I, I started assessing kind of Stillwater. I can use Stillwater as an example um, of, Lord, uh, where are you already at work? Discerning that starts in prayer. But how, how is our prayer culture? How is our prayer life? How is it so vital? How is that life being pumped through the body? And, um, and I think that's where it begins. I could go on more, but it starts there. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit more about, like, what was it like for you to come in as a fresh pastor mm -hmm. into this church, and what did you feel like the Lord called you to? Yeah, so that's where I started. Um, at the time, Stillwater, it was 2019, we had two campuses, and so as an associate pastor, I was um, campus pastor at the Y, and um, the first thing, well, let me even back up further than that. It was in the interview stage where I was discerning if this is the church God was even calling me to. And um, the lead pastor at the time, I asked, asked a bunch of questions. To, to, because it's important that 
not only we have one ear to God in discerning, but we also have one ear to the people. And I want to get to know the story of Stillwater. I want to get, and it's important, pastors, leaders, to know the story of your church. Because, um, man, it takes so much pressure off when you know God's already at work and you don't start from ground zero, right? The Holy Spirit is moving and active. And so as I learned even just the story of Stillwater, I remember um, one day uh, the lead pastor was, um, at the time, he was giving me a tour of the building. You know, when you walk in places too, you get a feel, you know, oh, is here, I, I've learned this too, is how you set up your space, what you have in your space reveals some of your priorities. You know, that's not a, a, a way of condemnation. It's just you think about your own house, you know, what you have central in your house, what you have on your walls, what you, if there's clutter, if there's not, it, it re- just reveals a little bit of the state of the church and, or your, your priorities and values. And so I say all this, this is, you know, not a disparaging to our past or anything, um, but it was an evaluation for me and saying, Lord, what what do you have to say? And so I remember we were having a tour down <laughs> in the building and um, we were walking down the hallway and I had this, like one of the last questions that I asked was, where's your prayer room? And this was in our main building. This wasn't at our other campus at the Y. This was at our main building. And and the pastor says, oh, well, you know, come on, let me, let me take you down uh, the hallway, just down the hallway here. Oh, great. Wow. You know, so I remember walking down <laughs> the hall and I love our church. One thing you know about Stillwater is it, it was revitalized and replanted out of uh, Riverdale United Methodist Church, which is 100 years old. And as it was dying there was d- and declined, about 40 members, there was a member who died and there was a $1 million endowment. And then they said, well, we don't want this to die with us. What do you have next for us? And just a little history on this is um, they, they discerned and prayed and they asked God, where should we replant? And they prayed and discerned that uh, to a place in a plot of land in Dayton where there was the most unreached people uh, in the area and they, they built a campus there. And um, what was so cool is about that, that, that sacrifice and that faith um, to reach the un- to reach the lost. And um, over the years, there's been different phases of our building from the worship center to um, other parts of the wing. And then the, the particular place that, that the pastor was leading me down was our third phase. And at the time, the church was in an attractional model kind of church growth uh, phase. And we had classrooms for preschool. And then we also had something called a playland. And, you know, it was just this place for families to come and have, you know, I don't know, parties and things like that. Not bad, but it just was it. And so he's taking me down this playland, and I was like, where are we? Are we? <laughs> but this is great. And he said, oh, the, you know, so back to the present. Here's our prayer room. And he, he opens up this this tiny closet, like right next to the playland. And I, I said, this? Yeah. And there was like, it was a literal closet. Like maybe, I don't know like a quarter of the room we're standing in um was that like probably six, six by eight i don't even know but there was like a they're not large rooms yeah. no <laughs> they're like you know there was an altar a kneeling rail one chair and a box of tissues and maybe a gideon bible or something like in this little room and it was sweet and quaint but i could tell that it hadn't been occupied 
or used. It wasn't central. It was all the way down at the end of the church. And so it got me thinking. I didn't say anything. I kind of just was like, okay. And I was, I was walking down. Our tour had ended, if you will. <laughs> I felt the Lord whisper in my heart and just say, I long for my church, my house, to be a house of prayer. And so this was the beginning. This was kind of like a commission. Like, this was my first assignment, I felt like, from the Lord of just, you know, we talk about church renewal. It's going back to the, the original practice, the primitive ways of, of the Christian life, very basic things of scripture reading and prayer and um, the fullness of the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, um, keeping the present central. Like this was something I felt like God was like, I want to return. Because there was a seed here at, at Stillwater at the time. That, I mean, it was a praying church. I mean, there was people that were hungry for more. Um, but it seemed like over time, sometimes it just, can get sidelined or sidetracked depending on the season and the Lord's like I want to bring this central back to my church back to my people and um throughout that first that first year talking and, and praying with the pastor that was one of the steps toward renewal um was centralizing prayer and then equipping our people to pray and mobilizing our people to pray because I think that's one of the challenges you have a lot of individuals praying in the church, you know, receiving the prayer requests that come on the connect card, but who is organizing the saints? How are we building a prayer culture? And then which creates an equipping culture? That's something you and I have talked about, Jordan. We were actually just the other night, we were talking about the scripture passage. It talks about praying for the laborers yeah. because the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, when, when you bring in the harvest, you know, the people who you're bringing in, they then become laborers yeah. and you send them back out. And this is the mechanism of the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So we were talking about how when you came here, you saw that there were laborers who hadn't been deployed. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering, like, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you identified them and sort of gathered them together? And, and yeah, and just what were their responses? Like, how, how did they feel, you know? Yeah, so my first Sunday uh, was in July, like July 1, whatever. The first Sunday I started on staff, when I walked right in through those doors, I began a prayer walk, literally. Like, you know, I'd pray the sermon. We were, we were a mobile church at the Y campus, things like that. But I walked in and my priority was, all right, I'll be here at 8 a.m. And I'm just going to prayer walk the entire space. And it was so, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like, um, I don't like, you know, put your, sign up your name on the list if you want to come with me. It was, I showed up as the pastor out of my own conviction and calling and leading from, mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit's direction. And one by one, I just actually, I remember one of our um, intercessors who has been walking, I've been walking with for the past four years, she showed up through the doors. I remember her walking right through the Y and I'm like kind of mid prayer walk. <laughs> and she says, I'm here. What would you like me to do? <laughs> and I said, I know exactly <laughs> who this is. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I'm on a prayer walk. Would you like to come with me? Yes. 
I knew I was supposed to be here for this reason. I feel like the Lord in my prayer time this morning said, show up at the Y campus and pray. And so it was just a, just a small testimony that the Holy Spirit was already stirring the hearts of his people. And here I was just cooperating with him and keeping my eyes and ears open to what the body of Christ was already doing. So it literally just one by one, maybe it was like one or two people that first Sunday that came with me on that prayer walk and praying. What I mean by that is like asking the Lord and welcoming the Holy Spirit and his presence and what he wants to do in each of the space where ministry is going to happen. Like whether it's in the kids room for kids ministry in the worship center um, for their worship team, for our connections. Like we're just bringing and welcoming the presence of God, the Lordship of Jesus into these spaces and just praying and then giving space to these, these lady that just were hungry. And they're like, wow, we actually have a, have a leader, have a pastor that is doing this. Because what I found out after that is that they had been praying. They've been wanting more of this type of direction in leadership. Um, but it was, a, it was a matter of me just like tapping on their shoulder and like, come with me. Like, but yet they have been there before me. Does that, you know, make sense? Um, and so like just a simple prayer walk led to seeing even a greater need. That's so good. I love like how sometimes you just need someone to just be like, hey, come with me, you know, like do it with me. You know, I see that you're already doing this. Let's like, let's organize it. Let's make it, yeah. let's make it a thing here, you know. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about like what happened next? So how did you organize it even more with care pastors? Yeah, so care pastors, that kind of term came out of um, just realizing that a lead pastor and associate pastor can't shepherd 450 people by themselves. I mean, that's, and we recognize we need a more connected church, not only with two campuses, but um, for care of the congregation. Um, and that care of the congregation is disciple making. I mean, that is where our heart was. Um, not only just we respond to immediate needs that come up in crisis or um, grief or things that our congregation face, but also how do we proactively um equip our people to be people of presence and prayer um, and walking alongside of people in everyday life. And so um, it started with a conversation. I think it was maybe a couple months into my time at Stillwater. I, I brought this, this idea before our pastor, our lead pastor and said, have, do we have, you know, a ministry like this? And he said, no. And I said, well, I can't do this alone. I'm going <laughs> to, I was like, I need a, I need a, a like a, a partner, you know, or a, a lay leader, someone I can work with and to help build out this, this type of structure. And, um, he mentioned a lay leader in our congregation who was a hospice chaplain who had, um, the experience and skill of things that I didn't have. Um, but, but coming together and working with her with my vision kind of, and then the skill and experience that she had and the relational connection she had because I was still getting to know the people. And so I kind of prayed because all the vision starts in prayer and say, like, Lord, what do you want to see for this? And kind of to start with the, just the building, the small building blocks. And it just became by identifying leaders who were faithful, who were available, who were hungry and through conversation learning 
that they want to grow in ministry and even the supernatural ministry of healing and things like that. So between her and I, um, her name was Molly, and we identified 20 leaders between our main campus and our Y campus and who may be candidates for this type of type of leadership training. And one of the things I've learned is that um, training and equipping and authorizing, if you put allow these people to have our congregation in, under their care, I want to equip them well, you know, give them skills, experience, um, you know, theology on on this type of thing. And so between that, what we did is we created a a 10-week training. We called it Care Pastor Training. And so theology basics on starting with Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and, and, and all of our shepherding begins with him. We talked about the person and work of the Holy Spirit um, because we have to know who we're partnering with, you know, and where our ministry comes from and the power comes from. And um, we did basic things like that, learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, to this is kind of how it started in our first round, our first year. So we've been doing this for four years, so it's kind of evolved over time. But we learned also about um, skills of listening and grief, addiction. So you're kind of coming into understanding about mental health alongside of supernatural ministry, right? So it's like kind of this mix. So we did this 10-week training with these 20 leaders, and then we, um, I did interviews with them and say, well, how's God speaking to you? And um, you know, are you feeling called to this? And so we ended up having those interviews, kind of expectations, how we check in, how we flow with the intention that you will primarily be our prayer team too. So we did a lot of equipping on practical prayer lines with people come to receive prayer. And at the time, Stillwater, this wasn't our culture, like, you know, a regular thing. Like many people did not, we were not comfortable with coming up to the front or even who knows to the side of the the worship center to receive prayer, you know? So this was a really a seed um, in faith of the vision that God was showing us uh, about, I want this for my people. I want to open up. I want to expand. I want people to have expectation for me. Um, but after that interview, um, what then we had commissioned these 20 people in front of the congregation at both campuses. We put lanyards on them. We had a way of signifying that we've authorized, like they're here. They're not experts. It's okay. But, they're part of our team and they're here for you and so that was kind of the beginning I was that was fall of 2019 when we just launched this this beginning stage and it's evolved over time with different things but that's where we started I love hearing this because I so I went through this process and that was was that the second or third time mm-hmm. second I forget how long I've been here <laughs> Was third, right? I think, I think it's the third because yeah. we were at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, f- my perspective as a participant and as, as an observer was I was so grateful. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, you know, talking to my husband who at that point was on staff at Stillwater, but uh, not the lead pastor, but was on just the discipleship pastor. He was like asking me, he's like, how do you feel about it? And I said, oh, I love it. And he's like, he's like, do you feel like it's, you know, you're covering things you already know? And I was like, well, that doesn't matter. You know, my thing about it, and this is, this is one of the things I just love about this way, this approach is that, um, 
it's you never become an expert in the things of God. Like you can always, it doesn't matter how many times I, I've read that, that Ephesians passage. Like, I don't know how many times the one that you open up with, but every time I read it as I'm maturing in the body, I, it feels different. It, it lays differently internally. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same thing with equipping, you know, um, you were saying that the process has evolved and it's evolved so much so to the fact that there are entire other ministries that have opened up in the church now. And I want you to talk about some of those, but it's, it's interesting. Like, even though the three people at this table have experienced, say for instance, in inner healing deliverance ministry, Mm -hmm. I know that when I'm sitting in a prayer appointment with someone, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have tools that I feel confident in, but I'm also just like, well, let's see, let's, let's see what's going to happen. Holy spirit, you're in charge. Yeah. And, and so you just, you need that constant sort of like going back in, establishing the, the foundation, you know? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can just say as a participant, one thing that I really appreciated and I've seen over the past few years is um, when I came into the class, you know, I think I was, I was probably the youngest in the class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was so amazing to like, look around and be like oh there are people here that I can learn from who have literally followed Jesus longer than I've been alive yeah. and so I can learn from them and how they pray and how they have participated in the church as you know a part of the body and so that was so amazing just to see like all of the generations represented you know in the class it's not like this is dedicated to one type of people right and what's so beautiful is as I look back over the past few years, there's a constant on-ramp for mm-hmm. people. So like this class wasn't just like the first class has been the same class all the way through, right. but you have always invited more and more and more people in because it's not exclusive to one people. You know, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We are all a part of the house. Yes. And so so there's just a constant welcoming in. And to the people who have been there for years, you know, mm-hmm. although they may have more foundation, they may have more experience, they are just as willing to pour into the to the newbies, you know, into yes. the ministry. And so the the people who have been raised up for years are starting new ministries and, and doing all of these things. And mm-hmm. the people who are coming in have this like fresh hunger and fresh, you know, willingness to learn and press in. And so it's so beautiful because it's like a constant rotation mm-hmm. of people and um and that's what I love that it's not self-sustaining, you know, it's not like oh. I'm going to build it up just for my own, you know, experience or glorification or so that I can reach a certain level. But it's like I'm going to learn so that I can then teach. I'm going to learn so that I can then teach. And that's what I love about the way that you have even, you know, mm-hmm. built this culture, built this class, built this um, mm-hmm. just almost like an organism within the with the body is that it's it's not about any one particular person but it's about how we all get to work together as the body to mature amen yeah yeah and if i could just piggyback on the back of that one of the things that that occurred to me just a couple weeks ago actually when we're sitting in class and i was looking around at the people in class and i just thought there are plenty of church cultures where People who were sitting in that room might have disqualified themselves, Mm -hmm. but because of exactly what you're talking about, Emma, this constant on-ramp and 
there's just like a it's like the momentum carries people within it it's like the 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 living water in the in the church is moving and it's moving people closer to jesus and and the fruit of that is like you have all of these different kinds of people yeah Mm -hmm. and it's really beautiful and also i just want to say my favorite my favorite thing to watch are people who never would have applied these things to themselves like seeing themselves doing this kind of stuff and it's just so awesome yeah it's been so much fun on my point of view too of starting with those 20 but how it has some have discerned hey my season is to step back for a minute and then the lord but that opens up more opportunity others coming in and while we've had that 10-week formal training like in the the following uh semester if we call it that like we did different so many different things like emotionally healthy spirituality because we want to strengthen people in their just everyday walk with christ too um we've done just even prayer just Mm -hmm. what is prayer um, the forms of prayer we used pete griggs material on that um but we've done mostly this this kind of particular training on the holy spirit each year i've discerned how he wants to do it and what teachers come in because like you said emma and like it's not centered on me you know i love welcoming voices and recognizing the gifts in the body of christ that you have something to contribute and say and help equip because that was what I wanted to model too, is this is a body. And in one of, in our classes, we discover the gifts of the body. We honor the gifts in uh, Romans 12 and the function that we each have. And then also in the gifts that all believers uh, can participate or cooperate with the Holy Spirit in, in first Corinthians 12. And then, so I've, it's been like a kind of a slow trickle, but then there's seasons where the Lord's like, all right, drill in here. And I think that's important it, like for churches and especially pastors, leaders to hear is that it's not a set program, like cookie cutter, like next fall, we're going to do the same thing. Like, you know, there may be things that do work that we keep. And I think opening, having open hands with it has been the, the challenge and the joy, right? To say, I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I think this is what we're going to, this is what we need to do, especially as the ministry expanded. I see care ministry has expanded almost Uh, to kind of get you to understand it more it's like an umbrella it's kind of shaped um where different ministries have come out of that and prayer ministry has been one specific one now Mm -hmm. so we have just different creative ministries card ministries um things like that but prayer has been where god's like i want you to drill and i've worked alongside maggie a lot in this um and what the class you mentioned what we're in currently is on healing so we went specifically the lord's like i want you to specifically equip the body for healing so invite all your care pastors right everyone this is a requirement you got to be here at least like four times right kind of renew your (laughs) renew your dues (laughs) emma you you've been (laughs) i think you're on class number four no (laughs) um no okay Uh, (laughs) sorry Uh, But the Lord's like, I want you to open this up to your whole congregation, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Which has been like, it's like, is that risky? Yeah, but it's, God's like, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to equip and to teach and go deeper on what is healing, the different forms of healing and talk about deliverance. Maggie taught last Monday on deliverance. We talked about demons. Yeah. And Pastor Rob did a sermon on that on Sunday. So it was like this really cool flow of how like, not only talking about on Sunday, but we're going a little deeper in a smaller setting in our class um, and learning more about that small group discussion. But in this healing class, we've had times of 
exercises and practicing prayer exercises in a safe place. Like how many people, where are you going to learn how to do this if it's not a safe place? Like the church, the local church. You know, um, I have received a lot of my equipping and training through conferences, retreats, um, other parachurch organizations, Spirit and Truth I've learned from. But my burning passion has been how do we bring this to the local church? Like in the everyday walk. Um, We need the conferences. We need the equipping. We need the training weeks, things like that. But what does long-term discipleship and renewal look like for the retired 65-year-old that is like, is this it? Like, we've seen so much of these wide-eyed, I'm so in love with Jesus for the first time in 20 years, you know? Like, there's more for me. And that has been the greatest reward. And that is one thing that I want to learn how to do more and more. But, yeah, got to get into those topics. We got to go deeper with the body of Christ. So I am... Uh, there's a question I'm trying to formulate in my head and it's something around sort of like the, and I don't know, I don't know if you have a context for answering this, but I know that a lot of pastors may struggle with the yeah, but, and I think that, um, one of my, one of the graces I think that is on you, Jordan is just like, you just came out of the gate, you know, and were able to, and you established this and not out of your own power, you know, but Mm -hmm. by obedience to the Holy Spirit. And one of of the things that I know is one of your values as a leader is to agree with and partner with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if you could just one, talk a little bit about what that means. What does it mean to agree with and discern what is already happening? And then also, if you, I don't know, have any words of encouragement for pastors who maybe, I, f- I feel like there's a certain amount of freedom that's opened up in particular recently because, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's just been some stuff that's broken loose and, <laughs> and maybe they're just not used to seeing seeing their churches as as fields where this is possible you know because tradition and ritual and habit these are real things and they can be strongholds so i'm just wondering you know one discerning what the holy spirit's doing how to partner and then encouragement for you know when you're in an entrenched culture oh it's loaded love it sorry it's a lot (laughs) (laughs) i'll try i'll try to take a stab at that um Well, I would say first and foremost, Stillwater being my first church, I've been so blessed to be surrounded by a team. Um, A lot of pastors may feel like Lone Rangers and they're like, they have to spearhead these types of things and how do you create culture? And it's, um, to me, coming in uh, a a fairly healthy environment, a healthy system. Um, When I first started and assessing the Holy Spirit's work was huge. It, I mean, the foundation, right? Um, and the Lord, we had, we've had three pastoral, lead pastoral changes in my time there, which has been a fun ride, but it's been good, you know, and God is, um, he does, he is moving in different ways in different seasons and solidifying 
certain things. And so I can only speak from that experience of like, I never did this in the tension of going rogue or discerning on my own. <laughs> um, God was speaking to all of us. And I say that our pastoral team. So we would prioritize in our own meetings instead of starting with our strategies, starting with our um, kind of programs or how we've done things in the past. You know, COVID blew that all up. I mean, just practically where we would have to go week to week with the Lord sometimes. Y'all know, like, what is what is this week going to look like and how to emerge out of that? And that kind of reoriented. It exposed our idols, exposed our fears, exposed our performance and my performance tendencies and perfection tendencies and created humility in me to say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying right now to us as a team? And so like when we would meet on, let's say, Tuesday mornings, and I'm talking about when Matt was there and then Rob was on staff, a lot of this kind of surged with synergy, you know, um, because the Holy Spirit is speaking to the body of Christ and revealing different pieces to the puzzle, if you will, to create a bigger picture. And if we are all seeking him personally, how then when we come together to, to surrender these things and to share what we're hearing? And not just the pastors, but people like Emma and Jenna and yourself, Maggie, and others that are listening constantly and praying for the church. I mean, we have to lend an ear to those that are prophetically interceding. So God is revealing things, has revealed things to you. You know, I'm talking, you know, you and you and Jenna, um, that we as pastors, we lend an ear to and treasure and weigh and discern and say, wow, I mean, we need to repent of this or we need to shift this. And we take this all in prayer. And how do we come into agreement and alignment um, with that? And then out of that conviction, we make intentional steps of obedience, whether it's in worship, whether it's in what we're teaching, whether how we are going to do this class or how we're going to prioritize our staff meeting. Like it comes in increments, but I've been surprised, you know, but out of that, we're kind of in a unique season right now where the Lord is giving us vision for maybe the next four months, right? Sometimes week to week, but then it's like, or for the moment, but then he's given us vision for a long term, and that's kind of unique to me. And so then how do we prioritize that vision? So we're asking the Lord for the vision, but then the the beliefs, what do we believe to be true? If Jesus is Lord, you know, all these things, how then do we create structures and systems in intentional ways to allow that vision to come to pass even in our discipleship in our relationships in our staff um i hope that does that make sense Do I need a yeah what i know what i love like about what you're saying is especially around the discernment is so you and matt and rob mm-hmm. all of you as a pastoral team would spend the first 30 minutes, an hour in prayer mm-hmm. before you started your meeting. 
And sometimes it would be very normal. And then I remember other times where it was not normal, you know, where the Holy Spirit comes and and just really like pours himself out upon you guys individually. Oh, yeah. And so what I love about this is like it all began in a place of personal relationship with the Lord and not just always going to him with God, what are you saying about this? What are you saying about this? What are you saying about this? Mm -hmm. It always began for you guys as Lord, come and fill us afresh first. Like good shepherd, you know, we are trying to follow in your footsteps. Would you please refresh us and refill us? Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that I love about that point on discernment is, you know, like keeping your own personal life with the Lord central and healthy And then out of that place, you could gather together and listen to one another, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of what are you hearing about this? What are you hearing about this? And then also it goes even further than that. The people outside of the circle, you know, what are you guys hearing about what's going on at the church? Yeah. And what I love about all of that is there is an embedded culture of honor Mm. in that, trusting that other people, because they have the Holy Spirit too, can listen and can direct and can kind of, like you said, add a piece to the puzzle. And so when it comes to discernment, Maggie, like in your question, I I just love the way that you framed that, that it's not just one person, I have this conviction, so I'm gonna run with it. But it's, I have this conviction, thank you, Lord, that you have put this fire inside of me. Would you start it in me? Can I share it with my team? You know, can we discern this together, how this would look? And then also, can I discern it with the larger body? And how can we, as a body, run with it? Yeah, move together. Yeah. Move together forward. And everyone is kind of in a different, right, um, like a different place, but Mm -hmm. there should, there is a level of, of, of what God bringing things into unity yeah and one stride so the body's not going in seven different directions that's when it's a huge challenge for the church but how do we as leaders just first and foremost surrender ourselves um, to the direction and guidance of the holy spirit discerning these things together welcoming the discernment of the body as well and i'm going to tell i can tell you where we are has been a huge result of that and and humility of listening Mm-hmm. and receiving um, and discerning trusted spirit-filled believers like that love Jesus they love his church you know and um, you know and then our responsibilities how we then cast that vision how do we communicate that vision how do we get it out how do we you know mm-hmm. um, but that's why I love the body yeah and it's then, taught me so much. Yeah. And then you guys, you mentioned this. It's like the ways that those things were implemented, you know, the vision that the Lord gave to you guys, to the body, it was implemented in increments. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it was like, well, we're just going to give an altar call on a Sunday morning. Yeah, Other t- Yeah. We're just going <laughs> to see what happens. Other times it was like, we're going to restructure things. We're going to physically restructure things. We're going to move things around and... You know, you said staff meetings, board meetings, Mm -hmm. the way that we do discipleship, the way that we do programs, resources, all of this stuff is going to change, not all at once, but as the spirit leads and directs. And that has been years and years and years of, you know, doing that. And so I just thought that was so good. It's like, yes, the Holy Spirit shows us these things. Mm -hmm. 
And yes, sometimes he gives us vision for big picture, but then also he will show you how to day by day just kind of live this out. You know, like mm-hmm. we're using Stillwater as an example, but Stillwater is just an it's a it's, it's a, a it's just it's another church. church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk for a little bit about it? So we're talking about the culture of prayer. We're talking about, you know, how things have been uh, embedded in into the church. And at the same time, so you have this conviction, you're doing this stuff. At the same time, you are a pastor who is doing the day-to-day admin, care, preaching. So how do you balance that, you know, just the day-to-day pastoral things with something that the Lord has given you a passion for? And what would you what would you say to someone who is like I, you know, someone who says I want to start something like this, but how do I do that in the midst of all of the craziness that I'm dealing with? Yeah. Well, I have an amazing spiritual father and mentor <laughs> that I just hear his voice in the back of my head. So, um, you know, he said that I think I remember saying something like this in our class. Um, you know, you have to get the sermon done, you know, Sunday's only six days away type of deal, right? You have to answer the emails. You have to, you know, work with your, your board and the budget and do all these day-to-day things. But, and he said, those are good and we have to do that. But our number one priority is discipleship. I mean, is, I mean, prioritizing the presence in our personal life but is, is disciple making, raising up sons and daughters. And here's, and here's where it's like, we get it backwards. I feel like, you know, what is my greatest investment is, is, is person to person Mm -hmm. because it kind of goes back to that same framework of like the body of Christ. If it all solely depends on you, like it stops with you. Like, you know, you can only do so much. And so how am I pouring into others around me um, and empowering them, equipping them to do the work of ministry? Um, and I'm trusting others with with that type of work. But what is the most fruitful thing that I can do is to spend time in relationship with others, um, prioritizing that. Um, amidst of all the day-to-day tasks, um, I think that's where the true fruit is born. Um, and it's crazy. Like, how does it all get done? How does this, I mean, I just, I see that with the Lord, like he's generous, like, and he multiplies our capacity. I don't know. Like when we are so real, right. But when we, we, we have real boundaries, we have real things, but like, I just feel like when we keep his mission and priorities first, like the things, everything else will be added. And like, what are the values of the kingdom? And the kingdom is made up of people. And if people are not my, my value or my priority, like, what am I doing? Even if I'm working alongside of someone who is gifted in administration or on our board or on our team, our staff, like, but I'm investing and I'm pouring in you and your walk with Christ. Um, 
I don't know. That's my, that's my answer there. I know it sounds simple, but no, it's a good one, but it's a challenging one because it causes to evaluate our schedule, our calendar. And I'm, I'm, I'm different from a lot of pastors. I'm a single woman, um, you know, and, but that doesn't mean I have like zero time or anything, but I have an associate pastor. There's just different roles in yeah. the body of Christ. So speaking to a lead pastor or an associate, I think it applies to all pastors, but there are different functions. Yeah, that's actually, I love it that you say that. And, and this is something that the Lord had talked to me about a lot as when Rob, my husband, listeners, you guys know who he is. Anyway, when he first went into ministry and I, you know, discerning or, or sort of feeling like I had my own calling, but being very, very, very early in it and feeling frustrated in how it would be expressed, I would often feel in his shadow. And one of the phrases that the Lord gave to me was, um, function, not value. Mm. You know, it's about what I ask you. It's like, I value everybody Mm -hmm. the same. The value is inherent. You are, are not valued according to what you do, but I'm going to give you different things to do. And your function does not determine your value. Yeah. And so, and, and anyway, that's my sh- little shortened, like internal sticky note of way of saying it. So just to explain that, but, but, you know, I know Rob does a very similar thing. He prioritizes the presence of God and prayer and stuff, but the way it is lived out in his particular role, in his particular calling is different than yours. It is, yeah. And and that's okay. Yeah, and we have to pray and discern who God is calling me to yeah. in this season. You know, there's certain levels of responsibility um, on your staff team You're as a lead pastor and your direct relationship with the board or your staff and how are you pouring into them personally? You know, and then as an associate, like my, I can only speak for my role. I mean, I pour in uh, to most of our laity leaders. And so it's a different prioritization of my capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, we work together. This is the really cool thing about pastoral teams. Like there's, we have male and female. We, we, there's ways that we can reach others in different ways and different mm-hmm. lives and mm-hmm. things. But we are, um, we carry the same priorities and values in our discipleship, um, but it looks different on the day-to-day in our personal one-on-one discipleship making with, with congregants, our sons and daughters, but then also our leaders. And it's like, it's so fun to see how God leads us yeah. to certain people. And we get to share then, what's God doing over there? What's God doing in that person? And um, But people have been our, have yeah. been the mission of Jesus, like since day one yeah Yeah. (laughs) god doesn't have a different plan (laughs) so that's beautiful yeah that's something that i just love about like the way that all of the pastors at stillwater have led is it's so beautiful to watch a team delegate authority watch a team be so humble and submit to other people's gifts and it's just been so beautiful to see that kind of culture lived out. And I remember even way early on, like years ago, back when Jenna and I were praying, you know, just to kind of give like a biblical context for this, we, when we were praying, we, um, we were reading Nehemiah. Mm. And in Nehemiah, when the people go back to build the wall, it, it says that um, they all go back to, to rebuild each to their own work. Mm. And one of the things that we just always would like talk about and pray for 
at Stillwater and in the the larger church is that that each person would discern what their own work is, what their part of the wall is to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that I've seen in your leadership, Jordan, and Rob and Nat, all of our all of our amazing leaders at the church you know like you recognize that you have an assignment to the wall and maggie you have an assignment to the wall and i have an assignment to the wall and we all have a place there's no ego here there's no like competition yeah Yeah, we all have a place at the table and we all have something that we bring that he has given us and gifted us with and so how do we all come to the wall you know come and and trust you know, Lord, you have given me a place, you know, I'm not lesser than, I'm not this, I'm not that. It's not about victimizing, or it's not about I'm higher, you're lower. It's not about that at all. Like you said, Maggie, it's value. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have inherent value because of Jesus Christ, but our function will look different. And so how can we honor one another, being made in the image of God, having the Holy Spirit, listening, trusting, you know, it takes so much trust and humility to submit to other members of the body but um it's that is the nature of equipping too it's trusting you have the holy spirit i have a few tools that i can hand over Mm -hmm. to you but but you know like once i hand them over it's you you know you are the vessel yeah yeah Yeah. and you're not out there and you know on your own either We're, we're we're together in this yeah um yeah it's beautiful it's messy it's wonderful it's family like yeah. that's that's what equipping is it's bringing maturity like let's grow together up mm-hmm. like into christ in the fullness yeah of christ and so to have the fullness we have to make room mm-hmm. so well i have loved every bit of this conversation it's this i was looking forward to this podcast and um it is so encouraging to see the fruit of of all that has happened and to see you know like when you're in church and and you're hearing people talk and you realize like lord you're talking to everybody mm-hmm. it is so cool you know and um yeah to see people released in gifts and they're empowered in ways that they never knew they could be they know the love of the father in ways that they've never known and um, that for me personally, I just want to say has been deeply, deeply healing for me. Uh, just as a person who has been in and around the church in the, you know, adjacent to the sort of more institutional side of it for a long time. It's that's like the dream, you know, is what we're doing right now. Anyway, that has been our podcast, you guys. And I'm so grateful, Jordan, for you being here with us today. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Hit the subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. And if you would like to support the mission and ministry of Spirit and Truth, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life/give. There you'll find all of the information you need. And we'll come back to you in the next conversation.